Well, good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to be here. I have so looked forward to this. My wife, Karen, is with me. Karen, stand up. This is my beautiful wife, Karen, over here. We, we, drove, we drove all of two minutes to get here. This is our neighborhood, and I want Pastor Tim to reimburse me for travel. I want at least $2. But uh, we, we've lived here for 10 years, and I, we were just thrilled to hear that uh, Pastor Tim and Juliet were planning the church here. I want to tell you that your pastor is one of my favorite people on this entire planet. I just love him to death. And I like Juliet better than I like him. What a wonderful couple, and uh, just um, we're so proud of them. Pastor Tim is one of the most gifted men I've ever met in my life. Uh, he helps us at marriage today. He is just such a gift to us. But this is going to be, it is already a huge church for you know four or five months old, but this is going to be one of the most influential churches in the Metroplex and around the world, and we're just very happy to be a part of it. Yes, I am the grandfather of this church. I'm going to go ahead and take that. And my grandkids call me Pappy, so you can call me Pappy. <laughs> well, if you have your Bibles there, if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 2. And um, I, wanna, I know Pastor Tim has been talking about uh, community and just uh, such an important topic. And he's asked me to speak on marriage as it relates to kind of the foundation of community. And part of this message is specific to marriage. A lot of this message is just true for any relationship that you're in, because really I want to talk about the Holy Spirit as the foundation of marriage. I do want to talk about marriage, but I really want to talk about the Holy Spirit and how important He is uh, in all of our lives and all of our relationships. But I ask you to turn to Genesis 2, if you'll stay there for just a minute. Let me read you a scripture from Malachi 2, and I'll join you in Genesis 2. But Malachi 2 says something very important. It says, Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. Now, this is something we find in Scripture only right here, and that is God calls marriage the holy institution that he loves. And so God commanded the children of Israel that they could not intermarry people of other faiths. He said that if there's a person who worships another god, you can't marry that person. But Judah had been doing that. They, the Jewish people had been marrying people of other faiths like Solomon did. And God came and said, you are profaning a holy institution. God calls it holy, and holy means set apart for God. Before marriage is for us, it's for God. It is set apart for God. Secondly, it's an institution, which means it's something that affects all of society. And see, God created marriage first. God, in Genesis 1, God created marriage. It's the first institution God ever created, and it serves as the foundation of every institution of society. Uh, every Literally, as goes marriage, as goes society, that's the history of the world. And see, the devil's a strategist. The devil understands if he can destroy marriage, he can destroy all of society. In Genesis, it's an interesting thing because God uh, created uh, Adam first. We'll read that in just a minute. God created Adam first, but when Adam was created, and Adam was on the earth for quite a while before Eve was created, and we know that because Adam was created and he named every animal on earth. That takes a while. And so Adam was on the earth for quite a while by himself, but the devil never attacked Adam by himself. He wasn't a threat. As soon as Eve was created, the devil attacked them in Genesis chapter 3. See, Satan hates marriage. Marriage is a threat to him. 
And when he attacked marriage in Genesis chapter 3, see, some people call Genesis 3 where the devil came in and Adam and Eve sinned. They call that the fall of man. It's not the fall of man. If Adam would have sinned by himself, that would have been the fall of man. Genesis 3 is the fall of marriage. The devil attacks marriage with a vengeance because he knows if he can destroy marriage, he can destroy men, women, children, education, finance. He can destroy all of society if he can destroy marriage. He has been uh, on the attack against marriage since Genesis chapter 3. But I have some good news for you. If the devil can destroy a nation one family at a time, we can rebuild it one family at a time. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And this is, this is the mission of Marriage Today, the, the ministry that Karen and, and I have been called to. This is our mission, is to help rebuild our nation one marriage at a time and one family at a time. Uh, so I want to talk this morning about you know, marriage, and I want to say a couple of things about marriage before I continue, and that is God created marriage perfectly, and it succeeds 100% of the time when we do it God's way. Let me say something about you. You need to listen to what I'm saying. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. God never makes anything to fail. God would never do that. The reason that marriage is failing in America is we have rejected the Word of God. See, a lawyer didn't create marriage. You know, uh, society, we didn't create marriage. God created marriage. And God created marriage, and God told us how it works. And if we'll go back to God's plan, every person can succeed in marriage. God made marriage, and God made you for marriage. You say, well, Jimmy, I've, I've failed a time or two in marriage. It doesn't matter. Let me say something. Wherever you've come from, whatever you've done in your past, aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? Our past is the past. God has no interest in punishing us for our past. God wants us to have a better future and for us to live according to his design. And I'm telling you, you can succeed in marriage. The reason that God uses me is if I can do it, anybody can do it. And Karen and I were on the brink of divorce. God saved our marriage. And I'm telling you, you can make it in marriage. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit related to marriage and then relationships in general. But Genesis 2, where I ask you to turn there, this is God. Genesis 1 tells us that God made men and women in his image. Genesis 2 tells us the detail of that. Genesis 2 7 says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living spirit. So you say, God made Adam, and he breathed into his nostrils oxygen, and he began, became a living being. No, that's not true. God made Adam and breathed into his nostrils the Holy Spirit. See, God told Adam before Eve was created, he said, if you eat that fruit of that tree right over there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat of that fruit, you're going to die. Okay, well, Adam and Eve ate the fruit in Genesis chapter 3. And after they ate the fruit, they still had oxygen in their lungs but they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. They spiritually died. And right now, every person born on this earth is born with a dead spirit. And that's why Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. When we get saved, what happens is Adam and Eve sinned. The Holy Spirit departed from them. Jesus came and died on the cross to remove our sins so that we could be reconciled to God. When we accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes back into us. And our spirit is regenerated. We now have a living spirit. Let me say this another way. God never intended that we would ever live without his Holy Spirit. We can only be married when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We can only love each other properly when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice this. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve just had the phenomenal life. You know, they had perfect bodies. They would have never died 
if they would not have eaten of the fruit. They had provisional immortality. They would have never died. Uh, they, and, and they lived after sinning. They lived over 900 years. That's a long time. Okay, they were on Social Security for like 850 years. And so they, they, they would have never died. Perfect bodies. They lived in a perfect paradise. And they had this perfect relationship. But notice once they sinned, Adam turned to Eve. Adam said to God, that woman you gave me is the problem. And men have been saying it ever since. But let me say, he wasn't just rejecting Eve. He was accusing God. You gave me the wrong wife. He was telling God, you, you gypped me. You gave me a bad woman here. And then Eve said, the devil made me do it. When God confronted Eve. And three chapters later, Adam and Eve were filled with the Holy Spirit, perfectly prepared to relate and to be married. But when they sinned and the Holy Spirit departed, they rejected each other. Their marriage failed. Three chapters later, Genesis chapter 6, the entire world was filled with immorality and corruption, and God flooded it. That's what happens when you lose the Holy Spirit. God, he created us from the very beginning to only function filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me talk about three foundational truths about the Holy Spirit in marriage. These are just basic truths about the Holy Spirit in marriage. Number one, the Holy Spirit binds us together spirit to spirit in the closest intimacy possible. Uh, Malachi 2, the chapter I was reading earlier, it says, But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? See, the unity, the intimacy of marriage is so profound, the Bible calls it one. They too shall become one. Okay, This is Matthew 19, the Pharisees are uh, confronting Jesus about divorce. He says, So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Marriage is not a piece of paper. It is an act of the Spirit of God. It is not a license by the state that makes you married. It is an act of the Spirit of God that makes you married. When you're in front of a preacher and that preacher pronounces you husband and wife, God joins your spirit together. They're no longer two, but they're one. Let me give you the marriage mathematics. Okay, so this is sophisticated math, so stay with me. These are the marriage mathematics. Two plus one equals one. When two people invite God into their marriage, they become one. Because God takes them and binds them spirit to spirit in intimacy that God calls oneness. Here's the other math. Two minus one equals two. When two people reject God, they become divided and can never be intimate the way God intended. When you reject God from your marriage, you will never be one the way that God intended. And so the Holy Spirit is the one, is the person, he's God, and he binds our spirits together. Okay, number two, the Holy Spirit fills us and meets our deepest needs that no human being can meet. There's no one that can meet our needs like the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came to a woman in John chapter 4, the, the Samaritan woman, you remember the story, and the Jews hated Samaritans, and men didn't speak to women. Women were property. They weren't considered to be equal to men. But Jesus found this woman by herself at the well. Women didn't go to the well by themselves. She was an outcast because she had been married so many times. And Jesus knew she had been married five times, and she was now living with a man who was not her husband. And Jesus walked up, and they were having a conversation. They were at a well. And Jesus said, if you keep drinking that water there, lady, you're going to keep being thirsty. But if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink, and you'd never be thirsty again. Well, he wasn't referring to that well. He was referring to men. Lady, if you keep trying to get your inner needs met from men, you're going to keep being frustrated. 
But if you knew who you were talking to, I would give you a drink of the Holy Spirit and he would meet your needs and you would never be thirsty again. See, we're all soul thirsting. But the only person who can meet our deepest needs is God. There's a God-shaped void on the inside of us and people can't fill that void. And so our deepest needs are acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. When you woke up this morning, that's what was driving you. All of us need love. That's our deepest need in the world is to be accepted. But I don't want to have to perform for it. See, the people love us. Most people love you for what they don't know, based on what they don't know. If, if people knew everything about you, your list of friends would shorten. God knows every single thing about us, every thought in our minds, and everything we've ever done or will do, and he loves us more than anybody else. That's acceptance. I don't have to have whiter teeth or fresher breath or better deodorant for God to love me. He loves me just, if somebody say amen, this is good news this morning. He accepts, he's, his acceptance is the true acceptance. Identity, this is another need that I have. As you know, the, the book of Revelation says to he who overcomes when you get to heaven one day, God's going to hand you a stone with your name on it. Do you know your name is not your name? It's the name your parents gave you. But when God made you in mother's womb, he named you. Part of the curse of hell is you never knew who you were. People can't tell you who you are. Only God can tell you who you are. He knows your real name. My name is Jimmy Evans. It's Jimmy Dale Evans. Dale Evans, when I was born, was a female country star. It'd be like naming your child Dolly Parton. I thank God that's not my name. One day when I get to heaven, I get my real name. And no one else in heaven has your name. You have a unique identity, and only God can tell you who you are. Security. How do I know I'm secure in this world? The Bible says a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me because I've made him my refuge. When God is your security, you have true security and purpose. There are some people that just can't find a reason to wake up again, so they don't. They end it all. Because they chose the wrong purpose in life. It's like when the stock market drops and people start jumping off buildings and killing themselves. They just chose the wrong purpose in life. But let me tell you what my purpose is. I serve a king and a kingdom. I have an eternal purpose to wake up for every day. And since I've been following Jesus, I have found a reason to wake up every single morning. If people, you're, if you're, if people are your basis of acceptance and identity and security and purpose, you're in trouble. And Jesus walked up to this woman. See, she kept grabbing men and squeezing them and trying to get God out. And every time she couldn't get God out of a man, she threw him away and threw the next one away and threw the next one away. And Jesus walked up to her and said, if you knew the gift of God, lady. See, Jesus loved that woman. If you knew the gift of God, you'd ask me and I'd give you a drink and you would never be soul thirsty again. Number three, truth about the Holy Spirit in marriage. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love and relate to each other beyond our human abilities. So this is John, 1 John 4. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Did you know that love isn't something at someone? Now there's the human kind of a love, humanistic love. It's really not love. I mean, you know, when people tell you they love you and they're not talking about God's kind of love, who knows if they're going to love you tomorrow? It's here today, gone tomorrow. It's very fragile, very, very meaningless. But God's love is the greatest love in the world. God's love is the love that Jesus demonstrated when he died for us when we were still in our sins.
This is the love it's talking about. And it says, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God. This is Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love. God, God is the one who, when the Holy Spirit comes into us, he actually empowers us to love each other. It is just impossible to have the kind of marriage that God wants you to have without the Holy Spirit. Let me say one other thing about the Holy Spirit being love. God perfectly loves your spouse and the people around you, your children and your friends. God perfectly loves them. And his desire is to love them through you. So you can never, you can never go to God and offend God at people around you. Because God loves them perfectly. And what God wants to do is to love Karen through me and to love me through Karen. And so we can never love the way God intends until we come to God and say, Holy Spirit, would you love the people around me through me? Use me as your vessel to express your love to the people around me. And that's where functional, healthy relationships come from. It's when it's the Holy Spirit empowering us to love and not us doing it just out of a humanistic type of way. Well, let me talk about seven specific benefits freely available from the Holy Spirit every day. Now, this is true of marriage. It's true in every area of our lives. But this transforms community. It transforms every relationship beginning with our marriages. And so these are freely available from the Holy Spirit every day. Now, let me start with John 16. And this is Jesus. Now, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And he's talking here about the Holy Spirit, the helper. It's the word uh, prokletos. It paraclete means someone walking next to you to help you. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away, which is a phenomenal statement in itself. Because when I leave, I'm going to send the helper back to you. This is John 14, also Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he's there to help us in every way, in every single way possible. And here's the good news about the Holy Spirit. First of all, he's free. He's the most gracious person in the universe. We can't deserve him. When we need him the most, we deserve him the least. We can't deserve him or anything he brings because we're a mess, and we all need the Holy Spirit. The only way we're not going to be a mess is if he comes into our lives. So he comes into messy lives. Anybody happy about that? And he helps us to do the things that we could never do without him, and he's a free gift. And so he wants to come and help us. And Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back, and he's going to be with you forever. Okay, so what does the Holy Spirit do for us? Let me go through seven things the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Number one is unity. Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, the unity of the Spirit. See, on a human level, all we can do is come to a head unity that where we're agreeing on details or agreeing on ideas or whatever. The unity of the Spirit is not a head unity, it's a heart unity. Let me tell you something else about the unity of the Spirit. I can have unity with you in the Spirit even if I disagree with you. 
I don't have to agree to be in unity. Let me give you an example about this. Karen and I had been married for a few years. Maybe I would say at this point, maybe it was four or five years. And the Lord had healed our marriage. I mean, we were not on the brink of divorce anymore, but we started fighting for some reason. We, we went four or five days. We were just fighting, bickering at each other. And I can't even tell you what, what it was about, but we were just fighting. So Karen was really on my nerves this particular day. And it was, we were supposed to go to Bible study that night. We, we, had, we were part of a Bible study group. And Karen came up to me, and I was mad at her. And she said, well, it's time to go to Bible study. Let's go. And I said, I'm not going. And I was just doing it because I knew it would make her mad. And I said, I'm not going. So she went without me. She went to Bible study. So when she got to Bible study, uh, Sarah Key, our, the leaders of the group, were Bob and Sarah Key. And Sarah Key came up to Karen and said, you know, Karen, I, I've been praying for you and Jimmy, and I'm, I'm really troubled. And Karen said, why? She said, well, the Lord showed me a lion's head in your living room, roaring, trying to split you up. And the Lord told me, when you go home, you and Jimmy are supposed to hold hands and pray and take authority over that. Well, I had never prayed with Karen. I was embarrassed to pray with Karen. Karen asked me to pray with her, but I just, I didn't know how to pray and I just, you know, didn't want to. So Karen came home and she walked in and she was very, you know, somber when she came in and she came in and sat down and I thought, well, she's going to apologize. It's about time. And uh, <laughs> she told me what Sarah Key said. And she said, Jimmy, the devil's trying to split us up and we're supposed to hold hands and pray. And, and I wasn't one of those kind of people that was fighting the devil. I didn't believe in that stuff. The devil was trying to split us up. See, we didn't know we were Jimmy and Karen Evans. We didn't know that one day we would touch millions of people in the area of marriage. We didn't know that. But maybe the devil did. I don't know what the devil knows about our destiny, but maybe that explains why he attacks you so much. Maybe he knows something about your future you don't know. But he was attacking our marriage. There just wasn't an issue. It was just the devil. And for the first time in our marriage, we held hands and prayed. And I, and I led the prayer. And I said, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over you, Satan. We command you to leave our home. And we prayed a prayer for the very first time. And we've now prayed together for 40 years. But something happened in that moment that had never happened before. The, the unity that I felt with Karen, the, the closeness that was there. Here's what I want to say. Spiritual unity is the most profound unity in a marriage. And our Fifty Shades of Grey world wants us to think that intimacy is relegated to sex. That's a part of it. But the most important unity is spiritual unity. And it's the unity of the Spirit that brings peace. This is what Paul is saying here. The second benefit of the Holy Spirit is personal nurturing and comfort. Is This is John 14. This is a different translation of the verse we read earlier. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit is called comforter. I want to ask you, and this is the word paraclete, but it also means to comfort. So let me ask you a question, and this is not a trick question. I mean this. Are women, are women made in the image of God? I'm seeing women's heads doing this. <laughs> Men are going, oh. Are women made in the image of God? Okay. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
male and female, he created them. Women are made in the image of God. Let me answer my own question. Yes. Okay. So let me say another thing. So there's a part of God that is maternal. Is that true? And a baby's crying at this moment. It's perfect. <laughs> so women are made in the image of God, right? So a part of God is maternal, right? The Holy Spirit is given the same name in the Bible as women. God said to Adam, God looked down at Adam and said, it's not good that this man would be alone. I will create for him a helper. The same word that women are called, the Holy Spirit's called. And the word helper is the word aidser in the Greek. It means the power to accomplish a task and to supply what is lacking. Why did God put Eve in Adam's life? To give him power to accomplish what he had called him to do and to supply what was lacking. Why does the Holy Spirit come into our lives? To give us power to accomplish what God has called us to do and to supply what is lacking in our lives. And he mothers us. I am not saying the Holy Spirit is a sheep. Okay? I'm saying he's, he's our comforter. There, there, there's nothing like the comfort of a woman. There's just nothing like it. There's nothing like the touch of a woman for a child. I mean, to watch a woman with a child is just, it's a miracle. It's just women are just, it's unbelievable. No one can comfort a child like a mother. Did you know something? I don't care how old we get. We're still kids. And we still hurt, don't we? And we still get lonely and we still have fears and we still have issues. And sometimes you just need someone who understands you that can hold you and comfort you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And part of our prayer life is just getting along with God and just saying, I'm hurting, I'm afraid, I need this, I need this, and this, this, and letting the Holy Spirit comfort us. That's what he does. And let me, let me tell you the significance of this. This is very significant. So Jesus comes to the woman of the well of Samaria and says to her, Lady, you're drinking from the wrong well. And if you keep drinking from that well, you're going to keep being thirsty. But if you'd ask me for a drink, I'd give it to you. You'd never be thirsty again. Listen. If you don't trust God daily to meet your deepest needs and to comfort you, you'll automatically transfer the expectation of that to the people around you, and you set every relationship in your life up for failure. See, I'm a good Jimmy. I'm a bad Jesus. I can be Jimmy for you. I can't be Jesus for you. And when you come into a marriage and you're expecting a person to be God for you, you've set that marriage up for failure right there because they can't do it. And this woman, the woman of the well of Samaria, went through marriage after marriage after marriage trying to turn a man into God. And it didn't work. And Jesus walked up to this woman as a marriage counselor. He knew she'd been married five times. He walked up to her as a marriage counselor and said, Lady, let me tell you what your problem is. You need to make God your God and let men be men. So our parents, our friends, this explains sometimes why we get so mad at people is because we want them to be God, and they can't. We want them to understand, and they can't. We want them to comfort us, and they can't. We want them to meet our deepest needs, and they can't. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. He's a free gift available to all of us who are messed up to give us what we need at that moment. Number three is spiritual grace. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. He gives us spiritual grace. Here's what I mean by that. The ability to do what God has called us to do and to know God. Acts chapter 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When I, when, when I got saved, I loved God, but I felt powerless to serve God. I just did. And this went on for a couple of years after I got saved. And I, I want to say I felt a little trapped, honestly. I mean, I wasn't going to go back to the world, but I just felt like I was trapped in Christianity. I just I couldn't understand the Bible. I felt like that I was powerless to you know, do the things that God had called me to do. And so I really went to bed every night with a sense of failure spiritually. And I didn't know what the answer was. Well, the answer was the Holy Spirit. And Karen and I went to a meeting one night where they were talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And after the meeting, I'd, I'd never heard the Holy Spirit in my entire life. I had never heard there was the Holy Spirit. I'd never heard those words. Uh, I grew up in a church until I was 13 years old, and I never heard the name of Jesus. But I was about 23 years old or 22 years old, first time I heard the words Holy Spirit. And this preacher was saying the Holy Spirit will give you power to know God and to live for God. And so I went home, Karen went to bed, and I got down on my knees in the living room, and I said, Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me up. And it was like someone took a 55-gallon drum of hot oil and poured it over my head. And I could feel this heat going from the top of my head all the way down my body. I woke up the next morning. I mean, it, it transformed my life to this day. I woke up the next morning and I opened my Bible and I thought, well, I know these people. I know John. I'm, how do I know Mary? I know Mary. Well, let me tell you how I did. The Holy Spirit's the author of the Bible. Wouldn't it be helpful to have the author of the book there next to you every time you read it? Well, he's the author of the book. And the other thing that happened is... I began to go to bed at night thinking, I did the right thing today. I had the ability, you shall receive power. Spiritual grace is going to come on you when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be able to know God and to live for God. Number four is emotional grace. Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are our emotions. All of those are emotional qualities and relational qualities. The Holy Spirit is the oil the engine of our emotions was designed to run on. And if you get in your car and try to drive it without oil, it overheats and locks up. But if you put oil in it, it runs great. When you put the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you will act like God. When you wake up in the morning and you say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to be around a lot of people today and several of them I want to choke. So to keep me out of jail, would you fill me today and help me act like Jesus? Let me say, when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you won't overheat and lock up. You'll love. You'll be full of joy and peace and you'll be kind and long-suffering and gentle. The Holy Spirit is the oil, the engine of our emotions needs to run on. And all we have to do is wake up every morning and say, I need you. I need you to be able to love my wife, my husband, my children, my friends. I need you, I need you Holy Spirit. And it's, he's, it's, that's why I call it emotional grace. It's free. And all it requires is that we ask him. Next is physical grace, number five. Physical grace, Romans 8, 11. If... The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body, your physical body, through his spirit who dwells in you. And I love the way that this is phrased because here's basically uh, what, John, uh, John is, or what Paul is saying here. And that is, if the Holy Spirit can raise Jesus from the dead, you think your headaches are a problem for him? That's what he's saying. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, what do you need in your body? He will give life to your physical body. 
And so again, when we need physical grace, we just go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, would you touch my head? Would you touch my, would you give me energy? Would you, would you do this and that? And it's free. He will give us physical grace. Next is mental grace. This is the scripture that saved our marriage. John 16. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, he, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's called the spirit of truth. Um, Karen and I were fighting every day. This, we've been married for several years. We were fighting every day. I worked all the time, golfed all the time. Um, we just fought every day and had a terrible marriage. And I, but I read my Bible every day. I was an idiot, but I was a sanctified idiot. Uh, I read my Bible every day. So I woke up this one morning uh, that uh, we almost split up, and I read the scripture right here. He will guide you into all truth. And I remember when I read that that morning, uh, I thought, well, that's, I've never heard that before, that the Holy Spirit would lead me into all truth. So I worked that day, went golfing, came home. Karen was mad at me because I came home late, tired, uh, been golfing, and I told her to get out of the house. I said, you get out of here. Tired of you nagging. You get out of here. And she went to the bedroom crying, and uh, I was in the living room, and I remembered that scripture. And um, I prayed in the living room. I didn't know what to do. I, was, I didn't know what would happen if she left. I didn't know what would happen if she stayed. I just was in very, very confused. And I said, Holy Spirit, I read this morning where you'll lead me into all truth. I want you to teach me how to be a husband because I don't know how to be a husband. Now, when I prayed that prayer, it's hard for me to describe, but it's like something fell off of my eyes. And I saw myself for who I really was. I mean, I just saw myself as being a total jerk as a husband. The, the moment before I prayed that prayer, I thought, you know, I'm Mr. Wonderful, and I accidentally married the devil's ex-wife. I mean, that's, that's honestly what I thought. I just, she should be very happy to be married to Mr. Wonderful. The, the minute after I prayed that prayer, I thought... I am married to the most precious woman in the world, and I'm an idiot. Thank you. Thank you, I think. There's the truth. And I went in and apologized to Karen, and I hung my golf clubs up for several years. And, and, and the only reason I went back to golfing is because she told me to leave one day and go play golf. I think I was on her nerves, but I started golfing again. But it healed our marriage. Let me tell you, I go all over the world teaching men how to be husbands, and all I'm doing is teaching them what the Holy Spirit taught me. He can teach you astrophysics because he created the universe, and he's the one who holds it together. He can teach you any single thing because he knows everything. Number seven is vision and supernatural guidance. This is the scripture we were just reading, John 16. However, he, when the, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you things to come. So Karen and I got married at 19 years old. Uh, the week after we got married, I was sitting in the backyard of the, our house, a uh, little duplex, and I saw a sheet drop down in front of me. It was like a sheet and I saw myself preaching to a multitude of people. And that's when God called me to preach. Before that moment, I'd been a real uh, uh, rough guy. I mean, I had a real bad past. I never saw myself as a preacher, but God called me to preach. And that's, that's the moment he called me to preach. 
Um, last uh, July, Pastor Tim and Karen and I went to Houston, and I preached for Joel Osteen. We did a conference. Tim is our number one lifetime MC for our conferences. He's your pastor, but he's our MC. We've, we've got to have him. I mean, he's phenomenal. So we went down there, and we did a conference, and I spoke on the weekend services for Joel Osteen. And in the second Sunday morning service that I preached, there were 12,000 people there. There's, their sanctuary seats 16,000. There were 12,000 people there. And after the service, um, Lisa Combs, Joel's sister, sent me a picture of me preaching and it was a camera that was behind me, and it was showing me preaching to this crowd. It was the picture God showed me at 19 years old. I, it, it came on my phone. I picked up my phone. I went, "Oh my gosh! I never know that. I never knew that I would see that picture." At 19 years old, God knew 42 years later where I would be standing and what I'd be doing, and He knows you. He will tell you things to come. The word occult means secret. The devil wants to keep you in darkness. God wants to show you the future. And when you get with the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, it will come about in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And what that means is when the Holy Spirit shows up, the lights go on. He'll show you the why he puts you together as a couple. He'll show you the future, what your calling is in life, what God destined you to do in your mother's womb when he created you there. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. What I'm saying is the Holy Spirit brings the whole bag with him when he comes. He's got every tool in the toolbox and anything that we need in our marriage, in our family, in our lives. Thank God that we have a gift that's been given to us, and His name is the Holy Spirit. And He's God, and nothing is impossible for us, but He's the most precious, gentle, gracious, forgiving, long-suffering, kind person you will ever, ever know. And you say, well, Jimmy, I'm just totally messed up. He was made for messed up people. People aren't messed up, don't need him. Jesus said, I didn't come to heal the well. I came to heal the sick. We all need the Holy Spirit. He transforms community. He transforms marriage. And God intended from the very beginning when he breathed the Holy Spirit into Adam's nostrils that we would live and relate to each other under the power of the Holy Spirit. Bow your heads with me if you would. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray your blessing on every married couple here, and fill them with your spirit. Fill them with your power and your peace and your presence. And Lord, bind them together, spirit to spirit, in a more profound way right now than they've ever experienced before. But just fill their marriage with your presence. And all of us, maybe who are single, prepare them for marriage. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and prepare them to be married. Meet their deepest needs and let them become spirit-dependent people. But Lord, we just thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we just receive you right now into our lives as a free gift. And we say without any shame whatsoever, we need you. We need you. 
And we thank you for being our helper and our comforter. And I pray your blessing on this church, Lord, Embassy City Church. I pray, God, that they will expand to the right and the left and possess the nations as their inheritance. I pray that they will greatly impact this entire metroplex and the world. And I pray your blessing on these precious people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for letting me be with you today. God bless you. For just one more moment, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And the way we like to end every service is by asking the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And I carried a burden uh, in the first service that I bring into the second. That if you are in a relationship, if you're in a marriage, and it's anything short of what God has planned for it, in a moment, we're going to sing one more song. And as we all stand up during that time, if you need prayer, I want you to come. Maybe you're here with your spouse. I want you both to come. If you're, if you're here by yourself, or maybe your spouse isn't uh, with you uh, this morning, I want you to come yourself and get the prayer that you need. Don't let pride get in the way. Don't let ego get in the way. No one's winning or losing. If you were listening to this message, nudging your spouse, did you hear that? It's not about winning or losing, it's about unity. Maybe you're in a relationship, father, mother, sister, brother, friends. The connection's not there. Because maybe you've wanted more out of them than they could give into you. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and respond to the message. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person that needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet?